Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Slice a fox, culture didn't pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is Monday, November 15th, and as always, we are proud to be a part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. You can find them at PigskinPodNet on Twitter, or you can search the hashtag TPPN, as you see at the top of our screen there. We do not have Matt Fox today. Uh, he got called in, I believe, to uh, to interview for the Denver Broncos GM job, so we, we don't even know what's going to oh, happen with that well, moving that forward. Case. Yeah, so we don't know. He is, might not be back with us. It's probably not going to get worse for the Broncos. No, it, I, it will definitely get better. Definitely get better with the way Matt loves to evaluate talent. Uh, but I do have Dennis here with me. I'm very happy that his Lions are now starting their non-losing streak Correct. after this week. Dennis, how you doing after, on this beautiful Monday? You know, we had snow here yesterday. Uh-huh. And then it rained, and now it's all gone. I mean, we got like an inch of snow. It was kind of crappy weather. Uh, and then, but the Lions, you know, didn't lose, so you know that warmed things up for me. The Buckeyes had a pretty good week. We'll see what happens next week uh, when they take on uh, the old Michigan State Spartans and Kenneth Walker, the third. Yeah, I wish I could say uh, a lot of the same stuff. I mean, the Buckeyes one. That's about all I had going for me when it comes to football. Well, a lot of my fantasy teams performed about as well as the Browns did this weekend, too. Oh, so. yeah. I, I didn't have a great week in fantasy. That's what I'm talking yeah. about, the Lions. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I wish I could turn to the Lions. But, hey, as you just heard, my fantasy teams are horrible. So if you don't want to take my advice, Dennis, who's someone else you could lean on to help you get a win here in Week 11? So now more than ever, it's, you know, it's time to get with the program. We, we, it's week 10. There's four weeks of the regular season left and then the playoffs. And I know what I'm using is the flash update pro from football diehards, get the tools to help Bob Harris reach the fantasy football hall of fame, the football diehards.com flash update pro a full suite of tools to make you a better fantasy manager rankings, configurable cheat sheets. I look so forward on Monday to the preview of free uh, of free agents that might be available for the waiver wire. And then the full report that comes out on Tuesday from that hits my email every Monday and Tuesday gets me going. Uh, consistency tools, target distribution, snap counts, and more. Use code roundtable, all one word, roundtable for an additional 15% off the already low price of $24. 
All right, so no messing around today. We're going to jump right into it. We've got a lot of um, interesting games and a lot of interesting things that happened in fantasy here in Week 10. We're going to kick it off. If you're watching, you see my air quotes. Yeah, you know, I was, I was trying to be as nice as possible about that. <laughs> you had the Cowboys putting a whooping on the Falcons here, 43-2-3. The Falcons were smothered in this one, Dennis. Is it just one of those games or cause for concern? For the Falcons, they've sucked all year. (laughs) Yeah, but they've been at least decent in their games. You've had Matt Ryan's put up points. Cordero Patterson, I believe, did get hurt in this game, but he only got like four points. It was not a a pretty game for that offense. Yeah, I mean, you know, with Ridley being out, now Patterson's looking like he's going to miss at least a couple weeks. Uh, The defenses are keying on pits. Some other guys are going to have to step up. Uh, I think – you know, the season-long shadow of Cordero Patterson may be releasing Mike Davis on the people here the next couple of weeks. Though Wayne Ga- Wayne Gallman came in and actually led them in, in touches uh, for a while. Let's see, did he finish it? Yeah, he had 15 carries for 55 yards, leading the team in rushing after uh, Patterson went down. You know, I always liked Gallman a little bit when he was in New York, and I, I thought he would be a decent fit. <clears throat> a decent fit in San Francisco uh, because they use so many backs. They like to keep like five that they can just slot in. So I thought he'd stick there, uh, but no, he's, he's there. And then I thought, well, maybe he'll platoon with, uh, with Davis. I thought that might be an option for him. Maybe this is his shot to find himself a, a spot for next season. So, you know, Patterson being out, I do like Mike Davis to, you know, he's still going to get the opportunity, but, they really need wide receivers to step up. Somebody consistent with Ridley out, with with Pitts being uh, featured uh, for the defense. You know, Zacchaeus had what? He, he had a very nice seven targets, but only two catches for 22 yards. Uh, Frank Darby, my man out of Arizona State, uh, what he succeeded, he, he came, it was Nikhil Harry, then Brandon Ayuk, than Frank Darby. Yeah. Uh, I thought Darby might actually, with given the the wide receiving corpse there in uh, Atlanta, thought Darby might make it up to the big leagues a little bit quicker than uh, Week Ten. But you know, they need some. They need guys to step up, man. Yeah, and I mean. I think once Ridley went out, we kind of expected this might be a bad wide receiver core. He he was clearly the best of that group. He helped he helped really, I think, Pitts be able to kind of break out those couple games there. That doesn't look like that's going to continue now with a couple bad games in a row. I do expect them to get it turned around. I mean, the Cowboys do have one of the better defenses in the league, uh, and they showed that yesterday when that offense gets rolling like it did yesterday. I mean, CeeDee Lamb on that first drive was amazing. Zeke. You know, was scoring touchdowns, didn't really do much outside of that. But Dak looked on point um, after a bad week for him. It's hard for a team like that to keep up. The Falcons just don't have the offense or the defense. You got to get a couple stops there. And once you get that far behind against a team like the Cowboys, you're almost in pure throwing mode. And I think that, uh, or pure passing mode. And I think that helps uh, that defense even more. They can go after you, get you, because let's be honest, Matt Ryan ain't outrunning anybody back there in the in the pocket. So. On the Cowboys' side, they come back hard. Um, I do think they are back on track here. We talked a little bit about it last week. You know, it was I think Dak looked as rusty as he did because he was coming back after being off for two weeks. He looked good. That whole offense looked good. The biggest thing, Zeke, 
Um, they didn't really use him much that I saw. I did not get a chance to watch this entire game. I did see he was used a lot in the red zone. I believe he got two rushing touchdowns, maybe. Is yep. that correct? That yeah. is correct. And they, they were using Tony Pollard more. I assume that that's probably just because Zeke's knee was still a little bit uh, banged up, but I think he's going to be fine moving forward. If it would have been serious, I think they would not have played him at all and and removed him from that game even earlier. I think they removed a lot of those restarters toward the end of the third, start of the fourth quarter. So Zeke should be good moving forward. But kind of what, what were your thoughts on Dallas getting back on track here? You know, they, they did it through the air with C.D. Lamb. He had a monster game, six catches for 94 yards and two touchdowns. Pollard caught six of seven targets for 56 yards. Uh, Cooper caught four of four. Gallup, Michael Gallup returned, caught three of five. So they were doing it through the air. Uh, it They ended up, what between Zeke and Pollard, they had 25 carries. Zeke had 14, Pollard had 11. Um, they were just trying to grind it. I mean, Corey Clement had six carries, for God's sakes, if that tells you how far up they were. Um it, it was just they the Cowboys dominated the game pretty much from start to finish, um, and then it was just they were trying to run it out. They wanted, I think, they wanted to sort of flex their muscles a little bit. Hey, look, we got it. We we're still, you, you know, you need to worry about us. Even if Zeke is a little banged up, we still got talent. I mean, Pollard Pollard had a nice game with what's that? Eleven, eight, seventeen touches, eighteen opportunities. You know, if, if I'm, I, I like that for my second running back. I mean, I think if, if it was a closer game, you probably wouldn't have seen Clement. So that would have put Zeke at about 20 carries, 23 touches with the reception. So it was a, it was a, I'm back game. We didn't go yeah. anywhere. We're here. Yeah. Yeah. And they definitely poured it onto the poor Falcons. Next up, we've got the 23 points for, I don't know why I did it that way. The Titans beat the Saints 23-2-21. On the Saints side here, man, they come up short, but how do you feel about Trevor Simeon and Traquan Smith? Simeon passed for almost 300 yards, fell just shy of that 298, gets two touchdowns, and Traquan Smith, 44 yards with the touch on seven targets. Uh, is that kind of the duo you want if you're trying to pair somebody here for the Saints offense? I, I think so, as long as, like I said on Friday or last week, when, whenever we talked about it, that if Simeon, um, don't be surprised to see more Taysom Hill if Simeon struggles. But if he's not struggling, then Peyton's going to continue to go with the formula that's worked since Taysom Hill has been there. You've got a guy who's the quarterback, and then you've got a guy that has a package of a few plays when they need five yards, when they need deception, when they need trickery. You know, Taysom Hill is that guy. As long as Simeon is producing, you have 298 yards and two touchdowns, they're going to keep letting him do that. And for all the buzz uh, Callaway had at the beginning of the year, you know, he just never quite delivered consistently. And that allowed Traquan Smith, when he got healthy, to step in. So now they've got between Harris, Smith, and Callaway, they've got probably three borderline twos, two wide receiver, two wide receiver threes. One of them is going to have to step up and take a big step and become that guy. I don't know if one will do it before the end of the season, 
you know, playing with a third string quarterback and, and a gadget guy. I don't know if you're going to see that happen, but I, I would probably, I, I going into the season, Traquan Smith was my bet for that. I would stick with that now, given how he came back and the role he stepped into. Yeah, I, I'm honestly looking at Deontay Harris a little bit more than I am Marquez Callaway. He, he's had a pretty good run here the past couple games. 84 yards, 52, 35, 72, and a touch in 52. Uh, and he's getting a decent amount of targets, 4, 8, 7, 4, and 8. So, I mean, he's he's been targeted a little bit in this in this offense. I think uh, he – maybe it's just he clicks better with Trevor Simeon. I don't know. But he might be got to be willing to throw on the end of my bench and see if he continues this role almost like a, like an Agnew did for, for the Jaguars. Had a couple big weeks. People added him, and now he's almost like a must-start. So, he's a guy I'd be looking at. Uh, the Titans survive here. No Henry, no Julio. Julio placed on the IR on Saturday. I mean – what do we expect from this offense moving forward? I, I hate to dog the Tennessee Titans, but I kind of feel like they're the worst eight and two team I've seen in a while. I do not think that they're that good. May, maybe I'm just being a hater, but I, I don't, uh, I don't really love what they're doing here. I mean, four men, 11 carries Peterson didn't look great again. McNichols, nothing. I mean, I don't even know who it was. Was it Marcus Johnson, right? Marcus Johnson comes out and has the big game, hundred yards on six targets, five catches. I mean, just, so Marcus Johnson, when given the chance in Indianapolis, had had some really good games. Um, but he's one of those guys that doesn't have he doesn't have elite measurables. And so, you know, from an athletic profile perspective, he doesn't jump off the paper at you, but he gets it done, you know, kind of like Zach Pascal. He gets it done. And uh I, I think from the Colts point of view they only had so many so many spaces for guys like that and that's why Johnson was let go well Johnson now is getting the opportunity and he's making the best of it uh he played well enough that they let Josh Reynolds one of their free agent signees in the offseason they let him go because he wasn't getting any playing time because Johnson had stepped over him I myself I liked uh, Deontay Foreman. I actually, while other people were picking up Adrian Peterson, I was picking up Deontay Foreman. Do I think Deontay Foreman is going to consistently get 25 carries like uh, Derrick Henry did? No, but I think Foreman and McNichols can form a good running back, run, running, running pass catching duo that can be serviceable and have some real good games. Foreman is showing some explosiveness. He's Is he, what, three years now removed from the torn Achilles? I believe so. At least so, at least two. At least two. I mean, he's he's a guy that, and given his size, uh, I, I, I bailed on him after the Achilles. Nobody has ever come back. But it, it seems like with... Foreman with Mac, and then the way that Cam Akers is looking, it looks like there we may be in the situation where Achilles tendon surgeries and medicine are improving and making that less of a career ender. We've seen it a lot with wide receivers be able to come back and still have explosiveness. Uh, running backs have always struggled with it, but now it looks like some of them are starting to to overcome the the torn Achilles. So I, I like Deontay Foreman. He's what, like 6'1", 230 or something. 
He's a big dude. Not as big as Henry, but he's a big fella. Let's see here. I just had his little page up here. He is, yeah, 6'1", 236. So he is a big boy. Yeah, I mean, I guess if he's going to continue to get the carries, I'm willing to pick him up and play him. But I, I don't know that he's anything special. I mean, he got 30 yards. I, I'd be more interested in Marcus Johnson, especially knowing now that Julio is on the bench. And, I mean, we know that the coverages are going to shift to A.J. Brown, who didn't have a, a great game here for for the Titans either. But even then, I think Marcus Johnson is probably more of a low-end flex play, and that's in the deep leagues that we we tend to play right. in. Two oh, flex, boy. Three flex. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly don't even know how this game was as bad as it was. I, I turned it off in, like, the third quarter. I couldn't watch it anymore. Uh, but the Patriots just blow out the Browns here, 45-7. Baker struggles mightily. Are we – do we think it's poor play? Do we think it's coaching? Do we think it's injuries? Is it a mixture of everything? You know, I don't even know what to think right now. So, I don't know if it was – Poor game plan. I mean, they the, the time to turn it off was right after that first drive because they came out and they just ran the ball down the field. And then all of a sudden it's like Dearness Johnson had 10 carries for like 68 yards, and he had 10 carries for 68 yards for like the next three quarters, it seemed. It was like they just weren't running the ball. And I don't know what led to it, but – you know. You know, Baker, from a fantasy perspective, he's he's a mid to low end QB two. Typically, he's not going to be he's he's a super flex quarterback you want in super flex. But you know, he doesn't have his anticipation hasn't developed. You know, he's made some good throws, and that's really, you know, when he first got in there, that was ever got what got everybody excited. Him throwing into tight windows and stuff. But as time goes on, it looks like more and more the reason he's throwing into tight windows is because he's not throwing soon enough. I, I think he's going to be a capable game manager, but I, I I think his ceiling is QB 15, 16 uh, when it comes to fantasy. Yeah, I mean, I've I've always kind of seen him as like a, a see it throw it kind of quarterback, almost like Justin Herbert and Dak. They they don't always throw with anticipation. Most of the time, those guys are throwing it. Uh, you know, I do think probably some of it is the shoulder and the knee. But if you're healthy enough to be out there, you've got to be able to perform. If you're not, then they need to put Case Keenan back out there, like they did in the Denver game. I, I don't want to keep making excuses for him. It was a bad game. Uh, but I also do think some of that was on the coaching because I agree with you. I mean, Dearness Johnson not only had 99 yards rushing, he had 58 yards receiving. He was the ta highest targeted player in the receiving game. He got eight targets. The next highest was Jarvis and Hooper, who both got five. Like, I, I don't – my biggest fear with them is – heard a lot of people today saying that the Browns need a wide receiver. Well, they had one in Odell, and they let him go because they couldn't get him involved in the offense. I don't know that drafting another wide receiver is going to change things. For whatever reason, they don't really involve the wide receivers that much in this offense, and you need them. You need them. Again, I, I point out many times, they don't beat Dallas last year without Odell. Odell was the game changer in that when he took that little whatever it was, pitched to the wide receiver, I can't remember it was, or the handoff to him in the backfield, and he took his 60 yards rushing for a touchdown. 
doesn't happen with guys like him. They need playmakers. They let one go. I don't know. I'd be very curious if the Browns even make the playoffs this year. I'm I'm really not sold on on the way that this team has looked the past couple of weeks. Even when they beat, you know, they 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 it reminds me of the Freddie Kitchens year. They had the peaks and valleys, great wins like they had last week against the Cincinnati Bengals, and then they go all the way back down into the bottom. Peaks and valleys. You can't you can't make the playoffs and, and have a consistent season doing that. Well, they do need guy. You know, Njoku dropped a pass in the end zone. He dropped another pass. As much as so, I I started this season going. You know, Njoku's going to be my sneaky target. He's he's going to be available as a free agent at the end of the year. Let's see what he does. I'm going to kind of pick up a few pieces here and there, and we'll see if he goes out as a free agent, sign somewhere where he can be the lead. But then he comes out and has a game like he did yesterday where he made a great catch, and then he had two that he should have caught. Uh, you know, who was it? Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, one catch on five targets. Uh, Njoku, one on four. Schwartz and Higgins both missed their only opportunity. So some of the guys have to come through for Baker and, and help him out. You know, I have a 10-year-old, well, he just turned 11, and he's he's a sports fan. And he'll if you were to ask him what a wide receiver's job is right now, he's gonna he'll give you the answer. And he's gonna tell you that the wide receiver's job is to make the quarterback look good. It doesn't matter if the ball is a little bit off. The quarterback's under a lot of pressure. If he gets it near you, you gotta catch it. That's just that's that's your job as the wide receiver, and we don't see that enough in Cleveland. Yeah, but I mean, I, if I think it's fair to say that the only wide receiver that has that talent is Jarvis. I think Jarvis is really the only one that. I mean, Donovan Peoples Jones has it, but he showed that inconsistency at Michigan, just like he's showing now in Cleveland. So I don't, I don't know. I, I again, a lot of people are talking about them needing to draft a wide receiver. I don't know if that fixes all their issues, but. Well, no, they that need is Nick Chubb to be healthy. I well, I yeah. appreciate the Ernest Johnson, but he's no Nick Chubb. He's he's honestly he's he's no Kareem Hunt. No, he, I agree a, with you. I mean, he he's where he is for a reason. I think his ceiling is is the second running back on a team. Yeah, and no, yeah. but Nick Chubb, you, you know, when you've got Nick Chubb clicking, you know that that the Ernest Johnson isn't going to take it seventy five yards. Nick Chubb is going to take it 75 yards. I saw Johnson break through, break through the secondary uh, one time yesterday and get caught, and I thought, you know, yeah, Nick Chubb doesn't get caught there. Yeah, he got caught from behind. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think Nick Chubb makes a big difference in that game, but, I mean, I think I think we both agree he doesn't make a 38-point difference. Maybe they score 17 points, but uh, not having Chubb there, and that does matter because that is what Stefanski's offense likes to do, right? They they build it around the run, and having a guy like Nick Chubb there helps. Uh, is it time? Well, I guess this is really a question for me because you had the Patriots, I believe, winning the East and in the playoffs. I did not even have them in, uh, but I think it's it's time to view them as serious contenders in the AFC East and to make the playoffs. I mean, Mac Jones, again, he's doing exactly what Bill Belichick wants you to do, distribute the ball. And he had some impressive throws yesterday. I mean, he was my QB4 in this class. I had him above Zach Wilson. Uh, and I don't think it's unkind to say that he's playing as the best rookie quarterback right now. He he has outperformed Fields. He has outperformed Lance. And he has outperformed uh, Trevor Lawrence. He, he's just been the better QB so far this season. I mean, 
The touchdown throw he had to Kendrick Bourne in between the two defenders was a great throw. He, I was, I was happy to see Jacoby Myers get his first touchdown yesterday as well. Man, this is a good team. And on top of that, you talked about the running game. Ramondre Stevenson stepped up in a major way with Damian Harris yesterday in concussion protocol. Goes for 100 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Could have had three. Also had 14 yards on four catches. Does Damian Harris possibly is he losing his job or is this more of just going back to because I believe they had like a 60-40 split before Stevenson fumbled the ball and then he was like a healthy and active for two weeks? No, I think it's gonna it's gonna go back to being a hot hand situation. Um they're gonna they're gonna probably be that 60-40, 55-45 split. And then when one of them takes off on fire that one's going to get some run until they get stopped a couple, three times. And then they're going to pop the other guy in there and see what, see what he can do. It's going to be frustrating for fantasy managers because you're going to, again, well, I will say it'll be less frustrating for Stevenson managers than Harris, because regardless of what Harris did catching the ball in college, they just won't throw the ball to him. Belichick's like, I'm not throwing the ball to this guy, even though he caught what, 60 passes or something in college. Yeah. It was so that may be a little edge to Stevenson. Um, but yeah, Stevenson looked good. He was explosive looking. Uh he was powerful, ran the ball with authority, caught the ball really well. Um, I think as far as what they're gonna do, they're gonna they got eight defensive players back from the COVID exempt list going into this year. We knew their defense was gonna be better. They don't have a lot at wide receiver, and we love the Jacoby Myers story, but Nelson Aguilar has really struggled. Kendrick Bourne hasn't been very consistent. That was a you know the ball placement was really good on that, but that was that was more about Bourne being able to catch that ball there uh, as than it was Max throw because it it wouldn't have taken much for that to be incomplete with that coverage, and Bourne went up and just just took the ball away from the other two guys as he was diving into the end zone. You know, I, I feel like they, they're going to circle back. They're going to continue to reinforce their interior, their line. They're going to continue to build from the inside out and they'll add some dynamic playmakers on the outside. But I think going forward, I, I think Belichick is pretty comfortable with his running back core of Harris and Stevenson and Taylor and White and Bolden. Yeah, I mean, he's he's shown us in the years prior that he has no problem running out. I bet if he could run out 10 to 12 running backs a game, he would if he could. Speaking of old Patriots, Tom Brady goes down against the Washington football team as they lose 29 to 19. It's the second straight loss for Tampa Bay. Uh, a cause for concern here. I mean, Tom Brady goes to 220 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Evans has a good day. Godwin, okay, but we knew he was beat up. Fournette still played well, 47 yards on the ground and 45 through the air. But are we concerned at all about this team with two straight losses? You know, I think it's, you know, my dad used to always say, some days you get the bear, some day the bear gets you. The Patriots are everybody's Super Bowl all year long. And Washington, at some point, had to play a game closer to what we thought their potential was uh, at the beginning of the season. It just happened to be this week against uh, the Buccaneers. I mean, Gibson, while he only rushed for 64 yards on 24 carries, he did punch it in twice, 
and, and he ate up the clock some. He they they were able to keep uh, possession of the ball. The Heineke had 256 yards passing. Um, nobody really, nobody on the the Washington football team side was making super explosive plays, but they were just grinding it out. First down, first down, first down. You know, 10, 10 yards, 12 yards, eight yards, seven yards, five yards. They were just getting it done, and, and Tampa wasn't able to pull away from uh, from them. Brady turned the ball over twice on interceptions, and it was just a situation where I, I'm not worried about Tampa. I I'm not sitting here going, oh, it was if they had Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski. I think OJ Howard and Cameron Brait are two pretty good tight ends. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are pretty good wide receivers. And and Tyler Johnson, he's pretty good too. And and I think in a year or two when he gets more of a a full-throated opportunity, he's going to continue to blossom. Yeah, um, I'm really really surprised that they they lost to Washington here. But I'm with you. I think they're going to turn around just fine. I mean, Tampa is a very good team, Uh, you know. I, I will say I'm continue to be continuing to be encouraged by what Leonard Fournette is doing. They really seem to have kind of committed to him being the sole running back, and he is producing almost like what we used to saw in Jacksonville, not just on the ground, but also through the air. Well, riddle me this, Batman. Yes. If you're in the midst of a playoff run, mm-hmm. do you trade a first-round pick for Leonard Fournette? I just did, actually. Yeah. In one of my home playoff, uh, my home playoff leagues, in one of my home dynasty leagues, I literally just made that trade five minutes ago, and I'm not even kidding with you. I was literally in negotiation, debating this weekend on it, and I just couldn't pull the trigger this weekend. I might throw it back out there and see if he accepts. But uh, so I I mean, for whatever reason, I, I guess I got. I don't. I felt like. It was close enough to the end of the season. I don't know what's happening next year. And I just yeah. was like, I, I just, I was so close. Then so, just didn't pull the trigger. I think it obviously depends on, on your roster context. Like for me, um, I'm in third place right now. I'll, I'm going to stay in third place because it looks like I'm going to win this week unless Brandon Ayuk doesn't score three points, which is technically possible. So I might end up losing. But if he scores three, I'm going to get a win here. And here's my running back course. This is why I made the move. It's DeAndre Swift and Kenyon Drake because I lost Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins to injuries this year. And I've been rolling with Swift and Drake and Jarek McKinnon and Demetric Felton. And so I was like, you know what? I really need a solid RB2 to pair with him. I'm going to go ahead and offer it. He accepted. So, yeah, I've got a, you know, I may be a little bit of an overpay, but at this point with the way he's producing, I I think, uh, you know, it's well worth it. Uh, so with I mean, Washington I, here, I had oh, I have Najee Harris, um, Melvin Gordon, and Miles Gaskin as my top three on that team. Gotcha. Uh, with Washington, do you think that they can get back into the playoff race with a big win here? They are now three and six, and I don't believe are anywhere close to sitting. Anywhere close to making the playoffs as of right now. I was trying to pull up the conference standings here. So they are currently sitting in the 16th spot in the NFC. Now, and I don't think it, it losing Chase Young and 
Uh, was it Josh Sweat from that defensive line? I don't think that's going to help things either. So, you know, I know the defense hasn't played anywhere near the potential and what the expectations were for it. Um, But I I do not believe losing Chase Young is going to make them all of a sudden play up to that potential. Yeah, I mean, they are technically only two games back right now, but I, I don't know. Like you mentioned, losing Chase Young is kind of a big deal for that defense. I don't know that they get back into it. The Colts, uh, they beat the Jags 23-17. to It was a very weird game for them, but we'll get to them in a minute. Is it time to worry about the development of Trevor Lawrence with Jacksonville? You know, I so we, we didn't, you know, we being you and I, did not have great expectations for Urban Meyer as a as an NFL coach. And that being said, I don't think we would have great expectations for his ability to develop an NFL quarterback. I mean, he, he didn't develop NFL quarterbacks uh, in college. So I, I don't I think Alex Smith is really the only quarterback that he developed in college that went on to be a successful uh NFL quarterback and no Matt Fox. I am not counting Tim Tebow's one playoff appearance. Um, I I don't think we need to worry about his development. I just think we need to temper expectations on what that timeline is. He he's playing. He he's going to be more along the lines of you know the Troy Aikman, the um, Peyton Manning. You know, the Andrew Luck, those guys, their first year where they had to learn the NFL. They had his I think his study habits, I think his worth work ethic uh, are things that are going to carry him through and, and push his development. Those were all things that Manning and Luck and, and, and Aikman that they did. They started off, you know, they they some of them, I think I think Aikman might have went winless his first year, only one game won one game. I think Peyton only won two games this first year. So when you are going into that situation and, and they were bad, uh, Jacksonville was a bad team. Uh, you know, they changed coaches. They had the first, the number one pick in the draft and not be a trade. So I think if we pull back and say, look, let's look at this. Let's see what happens next year. Is he, is he doing the right things this year? You know, there's going to be time. He's going to have those 125-yard games. He's going to have turnovers because he's learning to read NFL defenses, which are more sophisticated than college defenses. I don't care how many times you play Nick Saban. Uh, I, I I think temper the expectation on the timeline, but don't don't be too concerned about the development. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I mean, Trevor is I I don't like the generational thing, but he's a very good quarterback prospect has been. He was very good in college and he's made some very impressive throws with Jacksonville this year. I don't think we can ride him off just yet. You know, I'll say I was saying in the beginning of the year that Urban Meyer and Daryl Bevel were not going to run an offense. I thought that was going to be good for Trevor Lawrence. Marvin Jones hasn't looked that good. Uh, you know, they lost DJ Chark. They don't really have much around him outside of James Robinson. I don't mean any disrespect here, but Dan Arnold. And I, Dan Arnold, I think, is actually proving he's a decent tight end, but I don't know that you want to run your offense through Dan Arnold. You need a really good wide receiver. So I'm, I'm, I'm worried 
because if Urban Daryl Bevel stay there for three to four years, I don't know that he goes to Daniel Jones route, but I, I could see him struggling to be the guy that we all hoped he was going to be coming out of college. But I'm with you. I'm not worrying yet. I think it's just, hey, it's his, it's his rookie season. We got a little spoiled with some of these guys, these quarterbacks that came out in their rookie years and had like these massive years. And realistically, if you look at it, Mac Jones, who was the one that everybody said was the worst of the five, has actually been the best of the five. I don't think some of that is a situation in the way that the team has played around him and they built around him. So not too worried about him just yet. On the Colts side here, they claw back to being five and five. They're in the playoff mix. I mean, what? I guess you can't say. You get, are you frustrated with Jonathan Taylor? But ninety-three yards and a touchdown in the first quarter, and then he gets twelve carries for like twelve yards after. I mean, what the hell, Frank Reich? But he was great. Pittman are great. Have we kind of pivoted to those are the only two guys that we're really trusting in our lineups every single week? You know, they're, they're not getting squat from the tight end position. Uh, I think T.Y. Hilton was back last week. He he couldn't catch a cold. Uh, Naheem Hines, even, who, who's typically reliable in the passing game from the running back spot, didn't do much. I, I feel like they're the two you start without reservation. Wentz is, he's a back-end QB1. Uh, he didn't, only 180 yards passing this week, but he didn't have any turnovers. He only took one sack, uh, completed almost 67% of his passes. I feel like he, you can start Wentz in Superflex leagues. Uh, if you're rebuilding in a, in a one QB league, I think he's a good guy to have on your team uh, because he, it gives the impression you're trying to to play well, even though you're trying to lose and get the the number one pick. Um, but nobody else has stepped up consistently, and that's really been the issue beyond Pittman and Taylor. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, those two have been amazing. Naheem Hines, I think, is worthy of flex at times, but you're going to have to pick out the right games uh, for that to happen because he, he's kind of been on and off again. The Bills dismantled the Jets in this one, 45-17. The Bills bounce back big. Are they still the team, though, to beat in the AFC East, Dennis, with the way the Patriots have been playing? You know, I, I saw – I wish I could remember who tweeted it on Sunday. Um, the Bills' victories haven't been against great competition. And they've lost, their losses have been to some pretty bad teams. So – I uh, I have a little bit of reservation about whether or not the Bills can hold up if they end up playing, you know, one of the high level teams. Maybe it's a maybe it's a situation where they're playing down to the level of their competition. So when they play Kansas City, they're going to play better. When they play New England, they're going to play better. But those types of teams are dangerous because you just never know what you're going to get. And they end up losing to teams like the Jaguars, uh, teams like the Dolphins. So they have to get their head straight. I would have expected in a game like this, Zach Moss to have more than seven carries for 27 yards. It felt like a 15 carry game for Moss. Get him in there, get him grinded, grinding. But, you know, Matt Breida ends up with, 
two touchdowns. It, it was kind of silly. Yeah, I mean, he got the the one receiving and I believe one rushing. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the only reason they didn't pivot to the run game in this one is because that offense has kind of struggled the past couple of weeks. I mean, they did just score uh, two, I believe it was two field goals against Jacksonville, losing nine to six. Uh, in the week prior, I think they wanted to kind of get Allen back on track a little bit here and them looking good. Uh, for the Jets side here, is the Mike White experiment over? I mean, did the Mike White experiment really start? It did for one week. It was it amazing. Didn't, it wasn't an experiment. It, the only reason he was in there was because of an injury to Zach Wilson. If it was an experiment, they would have been like, you know, Zach, we know you're healthy, but we think you need to kind of watch a couple games and sort of get a feel for the NFL. So it wasn't an experiment. It was a desperation start as evidenced by their, you know, hasty trade for Joe Flacco, you know, and then not having him active uh, until this week. So it, is the Mike White experiment, I mean, it's it's Zach Wilson's team when Zach Wilson gets healthy. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I made jokes about him being the franchise quarterback, and a lot of that came from the fact that, um, my God, I can't remember his name now. It just jumped out of my head. But their head coach, I don't know why I cannot think of his Robert name. Robert Sala. Me crazy. Yeah, Robert Sala kept talking about White being like, oh, well, we're going to play the best quarterback and this and that. He It was just weird that he didn't like fully commit into like, no, when Zach Wilson's healthy, he's back. But yeah, I'm with you. He is uh, – I, and I believe he has a chance to play within the next coming week, so we'll see Zach Wilson back on the field. The Steelers and the Lions tie 16-16. to The Lions nearly, though, pulled it off, but they settle for the tie. Swift dominates. Is this a good sign for him moving forward? Um, well, Swift was having a great year to begin with. He, he was being very productive both on the ground uh, and, and through the air. Uh, it was a little... You know, I would have liked to have seen him average a little more than uh, 3.9 yards per carry. But Swift looked good. He's a really, really good running back and uh, deserves all the accolades that he got coming out. Uh, if I'm Detroit, I you know they want to make him Alvin Kamara in the uh, Hawaii Blue. So by all means, go for it. Yeah, I mean, he looked amazing. I was kind of surprised the 33 carries. I don't know if that was Dan Campbell kind of reaching over to the offensive coordinator and be like, hey, you better run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. But it, it was a great game to see from him. On I, the I think Steelers, that was a function of Jamar Jefferson getting injured. I, I know they oh, ran Igwebuike a couple, uh, couple yeah. times, and he broke off that long run. But I don't think that by any stretch were they in the position to, to give – uh, Iguabuike, uh, 15 carries. Yeah, that, that made me sad. I was a big fan of Jamar Jefferson coming out of Oregon State there. And uh, I, I don't know. I haven't seen confirmed what his injury was. There was rumors that it might have been an ACL. Broke off that 20-yard touchdown run, gets in the end zone, and then got hurt. Uh, I, I hate to see that because I, I think he's a really, really good player. For the Steelers side here, though, it was a, a bad offensive day without Big Ben. Um, any real takeaways here? I mean, Deontay Johnson fumbled the ball. Pat Fryermy struggled in the overtime. Najee still continues to dominate. I still find it crazy that these players don't realize that a tie can end as a tie. Najee talking about that at the end of the game. That it's been like that for years. Uh, but just is there anything really to take away from this? Or is it just a hey, Big Ben wasn't here. You know, let's just move on. I mean, 
Mason Rudolph is what Mason Rudolph is. Uh, Jared Goff is what Jared Goff is. You know, to expect uh, anything other than Swift and Harris dominating would have been naive, I think, on our parts. All right, well, we're about to be on to week 11, Dennis. So if, if you're struggling and you want to make a little bit of extra money, if you're not sure you're going to be able to make the playoffs in your home league, what is one way you can go about doing that? Well, I know what I'm doing, and I, I think I would encourage you to do it as well. You know, I, I, you know, we play in a lot of leagues, so there's a chance we have at least a couple that are competing for the playoffs. But we also have plenty of teams that are not, and we need to kind of – find something to fill that void. And DFS is the way to go with that. Uh, fans, who's ready to score some free bets? Now you can can when you bet on any NFL game this week with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers who bet just $1 on either team to score can win $100 in free bets. When a team scores, you score. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code T is in Tom, P is in Paul, P is in Paul, N is in Nancy. That's code TPPN and bet $1 on either team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Eagles upset the Broncos here. Um, I know uh, you and uh, Matt, I believe, have picked the Broncos. I was all in on Jalen Hurts having a good game here. While again, he doesn't do much through the air. He gets the win. Just 178 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Does add... 53 yards on the ground, but Devonta Smith has the huge day. He is the recipient of both of those touchdowns. Gets 66 yards as well. Are we believing in Devonta Smith as a fantasy starter again? He's he's a flex starter. I mean, he had four catches on six targets for just 66 yards. If it wasn't for the two touchdowns, I mean, how excited would we be? That'd be, what, 10, 10 PPR points, 10 points? Or no, yeah, 10.6 yeah, 10. 10. PPR yeah. points if he doesn't catch the two touchdowns. I mean, Jamel Holloway is doing a great job at quarterback there. You know, he's Cornelius Green, fantastic quarterback there, Philadelphia. Uh, you know, they need to get – Hurts isn't killing it in the passing game. Yeah, I love that Jordan Howard I, – I think Jordan Howard is one of the most underappreciated assets – in the NFL right now. The fact that he has spent almost all season uh, on a practice squad and not on an active roster and not getting 12 to 15 carries a game. All right, he can't catch the ball. Don't throw him the freaking ball. But if you hand it to him, he's going to get you four or five yards a carry uh, and he's going to pound it into the end zone. That's just what Jordan Howard does. Uh, it's a shame shame for that, for that he had to ride the pine like that. 
But, you know, I I want to believe in uh, Jalen Hurts, and I've been really – I've had a lot of reservations about it because I don't think he's – I think he's a great for fantasy, not great for the NFL. And as much as we love fantasy, if you're not great for the NFL, you're not going to be playing in the NFL uh, any significant amount. But in looking at what the – quarterback class looks like next year and how they're playing the game. I feel like he, unless he literally starts going, you know, five for 20 for 50 yards, I I think, I think you can count on Jalen Hurts to be in Philadelphia at least the rest of this season and next season. And if they're going to replace him, I think they they look to the 2023 draft class as opposed to the 2022. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying that all along. I really don't think they're going to get rid of him. He he's not played bad enough, in my opinion. He hasn't played great, but he's been a good quarterback, not just for fantasy, but for NFL purposes. He really hasn't turned the ball yeah, over a lot. They're four and six. I mean. Yeah, but I mean, the losses haven't been because of him. That he hasn't done anything. I think that's really cost them a loss. They're just not an overall good team, and that's why I think you can't really judge him solely on that. You've got two first-round picks this year. Build a little bit. See if maybe you can improve this team, and if he is the guy, and then if not, then yeah, in 2023, you attack that quarterback position because he's going to be, I think, a year away anyways at that point from because he was a second-rounder, so he only gets that four-year deal, I believe. You know, and then maybe you move on and pivot from him, but I think you've got to give him a year. Again, he's, he's just now played a full season. We've seen the way some of these other guys, and I'm not comparing him because he's not Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance, but none of those guys have looked really good either. Let's give him some time and see what he can do. Let's start really judging him the rest of this season and then next year. And if he really doesn't do it, then, hey, you move on from him. It's not going to hurt you at this point to try and give the kid a shot. On the Broncos side here, they just they come out flat again. They've they've been very inconsistent. Kind of what Matt's not here to give us the Bronco breakdown. So, what are your thoughts on the Broncos and their inconsistencies? Yeah, I think some of it is Teddy's reluctance to go too deep down the field. Getting Jerry Judy back in his short area burst and his ability to get open in tight spaces underneath is going to help because he not only is he getting open there he's able to get away and make some plays. I think we see plays from Fant and Oakwig Boonham, Albert O. Uh, so I'm not looking at his name, so I can't pronounce it. Uh, I think we see plays from him. Uh, they're shorter passes that they take a long way. And so these are things that Cortland Sutton doesn't do as well. He's a, he's a Michael Pittman-esque type of receiver. Big guy gets down the field, makes plays down the field. And I think that limits what they can accomplish as a team. Uh, I think they could probably stand to improve the defense a little bit. I think when you trade, I, I'm torn on the Von Miller trade I, because I feel much like chasing Saquon Barkley's rookie year production. And with Von Miller, you're chasing, you know, four or five years ago production thinking, oh, well, I think he can do it again. And it gets a little bit nerve-wracking there. He's a he's a good defensive lineman, outside linebacker now. He's not what he once was. Uh, he's going to be active tonight, so we'll get a chance to see him there. Uh, I think, you know, playing with Aaron Donald makes a lot of people better. But overall, I think 
under Fangio, the team is uninspiring. Yeah, I mean, Matt has kind of been against him for a while now. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up getting rid of him because I think with as inconsistent as they've been, it's very unlikely they make the playoffs, even though they are kind of a one game out of winning the division currently. The Super Cans come back and beat the Cardinals. I mean, my goodness. The Panthers, 34-10 to 10 over the Cardinals. The Panthers get the big one. Cam Newton comes up with two touchdowns. On top of that, I believe... No, he was QB 16 on the week with not very many stats. I think PJ Walker is probably done as the starter there. Do we think he could be fantasy relevant moving forward? I mean, did we think PJ Walker was going to be there long anyways? I mean, I, I get that. Uh, um, oh, Darnold injured himself uh, and was going to be out for a couple couple three, four weeks. Now he's on IR. He's brought with Cam back now. They paid Cam to be the starter. Cam is going to be able to uh, come in and try to rehab his image. Uh, but if he can't throw the ball downfield, I think it it's going to limit what he can do. It, it'll be more of what we saw yesterday, which is uh, he's going to run the ball. He's going to make short passes and and do things like that. I do think Cam right now is the best quarterback on that team. He's going to step in. He's going to take over. And even if uh, Darnold returns, I think it'll be hard to get Cam off the field. Though I don't know that the outcome is going to be the playoffs for Carolina. Yeah, I mean... I hope that he does. I hope he plays good. I love Cam. It was so great to see him back there. Everything that was going on in Carolina, him like leading uh, the the huddle and being the leader that he is. But the last we saw him, he did not look great. So it's kind of hard to believe that he will be that. Uh, he was fantasy relevant at times because the Patriots were just running him into the end zone all the time down there. Right. Uh, but I, we need to see more passing from him if he's really going to keep that consistency. The Cardinals have one more game before the bye week. Do you think we see him this week? I don't think so. I, I think it it makes sense, even though they're um, – uh, McCoy, he played well in the first game, not as well in this game, and then he uh, got injured. Streveler came in. He, he went what? Uh, he was six for nine for 36 yards. If, if I'm – Cliff Kingsbury, I'm eight and two. I'm sitting here going, well, even if we lose, we're going to still be eight and three. We're still at the top of the heap in this division. We're still poised to be able to make a run. And honestly, we've seen it. That's It's not whether or not Kyler Murray is making plays downfield with his legs. It's whether or not he can move behind the line of scrimmage with his legs. And that's the issue because he he has looked to not run this year. He has avoided. I don't I don't know if avoided is the right word, but Murray has not ran this year for the most part, even when healthy, and that's helped the rest of the team to make plays downfield. But with the ankle injury, he's finding we're finding that he's not able to make plays behind the line of scrimmage to get himself into a position to make the throws. So it makes sense to sit him out one more week with the bye week coming. Yeah, I mean, I hate to, 
I'm I'm curious how close he is because I mean they said that he was close to playing this week. It was a game time decision that he didn't play. I I don't know that they did this, but I I'm curious I mean, if Joe Arizona Mixon was close for 14 weeks last year. Well, that that one's a little bit different. Uh, I think I'm curious as the one I'm curious as if they looked at it as like oh well it's the Panthers we should be able to win this game and then the Panthers kind of blitzed them and and obviously won the game. I mean, they are eight and two. They're still toward the top of the conference, but you can't really lose many more games. It's it's going to be very interesting to see if he if he plays. Maybe they just try and buy one more week. And like, hey, let's just give him this week, and then he's got the bye week, and then we're you know wheels up moving forward. So I agree with you. He hasn't been running that much this year, and and I think that he's not trying to. He's really trying to beat teams with his arms. Probably the most or one of the most surprising results of the game, the Vikings beating the Chargers of the, the day. I'm sorry, 27 to 20 is a big day for Dalvin Cook. Two touchdowns for Conklin. Is he relevant at the tight end position moving forward? Uh, Conklin, that's what, six or seven touchdowns for him this year? That's a good question. I will look. You know, I feel like he's been relevant because he's he's. Uh, Robert Tanyan this year. He's catching the passes in the end zone. He's scoring the touchdowns. Um, he Three. Three? Okay. Three wow. sure, felt, sure feels like a lot more than that. Um, I, you know, I don't know. See, what's Conklin on the season? Where is he coming in at? He is tight end 10, averaging 9.8 game, nine point eight points a game. Uh, is that – Oh, that's that's per this is per the ESPN thing I'm looking at right here. I don't gotcha. know if that's it's probably half point PPR. I just pulled up the All first right. thing I saw. Uh through week through week nine uh on fantasy pros PPR, he was tight end 16. So he probably took 10 sounds about right catching the two touchdown passes. I mean, he's he's not he's always he's not gonna be any higher than fourth in the pecking order with Jefferson, Thielen, and Cook. But he's making the most of his opportunities. I mean, five targets, three catches. He only had 11 yards receiving. His his receiving long was five yards. Um, is he relevant? I guess as much as anybody in that tight end eight to 20 ranges. Yeah. 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 Uh... I mean, he's relevant, but I don't know that I'm still putting him in my starter spot. I think I'd still take a guy like, um, oh, we were just talking about him. Now his name jumped out of my head. My goodness, Dan Arnold, uh, because I think he's got a better chance to produce than Conklin. Because as you mentioned, he's he's at best the fourth option in uh, in that receiving game. So let me let me give you some some yeah. either or, uh, Tyler Conklin or CJ Uzama. <sighs> Uh, Uzoma, he's been more yeah. productive this year. I think he was t- tight end ten through uh, nine weeks. Uh, Zach Ertz or CJ or Zach Ertz or Tyler Conklin? Oh, Conklin, I'll take Conklin. Even though Ertz, I think is not think he's on the better offense, but it's it's Hopkins or and Green has revived his career. So I, I would take uh, Conklin over Ertz. I don't know what did I forget what Ertz did yesterday, but he was through nine weeks. Ertz was ahead of him as well. Uh, Jared Cook or Tyler Conklin? Hmm. Because of your boy Parham and him continuing to get more work, I think I will. I take Conklin. Yeah, through nine weeks, Conklin was one spot ahead of Cook. Uh, Dawson Knox or Tyler Conklin? Oh, Knox, Knox all day. That's not close. Yeah, for me. that's a, he. 
yeah, he's he's still ahead of him, and he missed three games. So, yeah, that's cool. Let's move on. All right, the Chargers struggle again and drop to five and four. Um, do you think that they can find some consistency moving forward? I think they have to. I mean, the struggle bus has been Mike Williams. Uh, he came out like a monster, and then he tapered off. He did go four for six, but only 33 yards uh, this week. Allen caught eight of 11 for 98. But Herbert's got to be a little more productive. He 20 for 34, but only 95, 195 yards. Uh, so Eckler was getting a pretty good amount of work. Six targets, 11 carries. It's, uh, I, I think there's been some inconsistency on the defensive side of the ball, and that's what's led to some of the issues with the offense. They just haven't. They haven't been able to put it together. They're playing catch up a little bit too much. And so the whole team needs to be consistent, not just the offense. Yeah, I think the the defense is hurting them more uh, than the offense is. Although Herbert has not played great the past couple of games, uh, which sucks. I mean, I, I've talked about this in the beginning of the season. I was all in on the Chargers, and I said they always find a way to disappoint you, and they're doing a really good job of that right now. The uh, late game that everybody was talking about with the return of Rodgers and Russell Wilson and the Packers blank the Seahawks here, 17 to nothing. Russell Wilson looks rusty. I mean, I've thought the Seahawks were in trouble, but do you think the Seahawks are in trouble? Uh, there's definitely th some things starting to rear, rear the head in the locker room, I think. DK Metcalf is starting to be, you know, I keep seeing him today compared to Dennis Rodman. Um, I don't know if that's apropos, but he certainly, yesterday was not the first time we saw DK Metcalf lose his cool. Um, Gerald Everett led the team in targets and receptions only, but he only eight yards per reception. It was just a, I think until they get, Chris Carson back, it's going to be an issue of balance. If Seattle doesn't have run pass balance, they, they tend to struggle. Uh, while Russ can lift the team up and make they, they can make some big plays, they have to be able to have somebody that's going to grind the ball 20 carries and be productive for it to really work for them. Yeah, I'm... I'm really curious what happens with Seattle in the offseason. I mean, I think Perry, Pete Carroll's a great coach, but I wonder if maybe he's starting to outlive his welcome there. I mean, this team is not what they used to be. There seems to be a lot of issues in the locker room. We keep hearing rumors that Russell Wilson wants to be traded. He doesn't want to be there anymore, even though he comes out and says otherwise. I think when there's smoke, when there's that much smoke, there's fire with that stuff. I'm very curious what happens with Seattle. They look like a, a franchise that, that could be in for a lot of changes this offseason. On the Packers side here, they cruise to a win. Uh, the defense played really good, but Aaron Jones gets hurt. Um, Jones likely going to miss time. I believe I saw it was an MCL sprain. So what does this mean for A.J. Dillon for the next couple weeks? It means zero RB drafters hit just hit gold is what it means. Uh, Dillon looked good. I, I spent a considerable amount of time yesterday putting out crow-eating tweets. Uh, I was wrong on Dillon. He's playing a lot better than I thought he would. 
Uh, he's catching the ball a lot better than I, I thought he would even. Um, you know, he's he's a big dude, and he he's he can move the pile. Uh, so he's not super shifty at six foot one, two hundred and thirty five, two hundred forty pounds. Uh, you're not usually very shifty, so he doesn't try to play that game. I felt like him and Jones were a really strong complement to each other. Uh, it'll be interesting to watch uh, with Jones out what Dylan does. Does Rogers being another week away from COVID? Uh, is he able to sort of turn that passing game back on and score three or four passing touchdowns, which will take the pressure off of A.J. Dillon in the running game? Uh, you know, Rodgers didn't look terrific. He, I know he put yeah. up almost 300 yards passing, but it wasn't his best game. Yeah, I mean, I think Dillon's in for, at worst, like – RB 13, 14. I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes as an RB one, just like uh, Jones was every week. I mean, he's been good and I'm with you. I was not in on Dylan either. Uh, I'll give a, give a shout out to Kane Fassell, Debbie Kane on Twitter. He was the only person that was talking about AJ Dillon being a good running back. And uh, when every, when everybody was crapping on him, getting drafted by the Packers, he continued to say that he's going to be the future of that running back backfield. He was all in on him and he was a hundred percent right. I mean, he, he nailed that, and Dylan has looked amazing. The Sunday night game was not quite as close as we had hoped for. The Chiefs win 41-14, and just like that, the Chiefs are back in first in the AFC West. Have they figured it out? Um, I don't know that there was anything for them to figure out. You know, they play the, the way that they play. Uh, they didn't – like, I don't think they changed their style of play. Uh, they just had the some of the bounces that were going against them are going their way now. The defense is playing capable. Daryl Williams is being a serviceable running back. He's do he he played a nice game yesterday. He had what nine catches for 101 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I don't think that's uh, you know most most play most dynasty players or fantasy players who have shares of the Kansas City Chiefs offense uh, would prefer Tyreek Hill get that kind of volume or Travis Kelsey get that kind of volume. But still, Kelsey was 8 for 119, and Hill was 7 for 83 with two touchdowns. So it, what he threw the ball – Mahomes threw the ball 50 times. That's just what that offense is. Now they just got to keep the brakes going their way. Yeah, I mean, let, let's hope. I mean, the Raiders are, I'm, well, I shouldn't say they're not one of the top teams. They were playing like a very good team, but I think that secondary is, is beatable. We saw the Chiefs take control of that again. I, I'm curious to see what it looks like moving forward. I mean, if you're a, you're a CEH, um, if you are roster CEH, I think you've got to be hopeful with the way they got Darrell Williams involved in the passing game. If they could just do that with CEH, he might be I a little bit more productive. If you're a CEH manager, I think you got to be worried as all get out that CEH becomes the backup. I don't know if he'll become the backup. I, I don't think Williams is going away, but I don't, I don't think he'll go to being the backup. Another loss for the Raiders. Um, instead of talking about them fading away, let's talk about Brian freaking Edwards. Everybody over the past two weeks has been shitting on him because he gave you like a nothing burger last week. I think he got you zero points. He got you like six points the week before. Three catches for 88 yards and a touchdown in this one. 
do we do we trust him moving forward? Because we know we trust Renfro. I don't even want to talk about Waller, the baller, because he's not a baller anymore. Let's just discuss Brian Edwards and the game that he had. All right. How do I love the let me count the ways? So I I want to, but I mean, he only had four targets out of 35 passes. We've seen him get this kind of, you know, when he's putting up goose eggs, it's because he's getting three or four targets and he's just not converting. He needs to find the consistency uh, and convert the opportunities. And when he does, then he will get five, six, seven, eight targets a game instead of three or four. Is it? It's definitely a step in the right direction. And we've seen it before where they just didn't target him until the fourth quarter in, in a game earlier this year. And then he caught like three or four passes in the fourth quarter. I'd like, I'd like to see him become a consistent part of the passing attack. He's on the field. He's the starting wide receiver there, has been all season. But some days it's like, hey, your job is just to find the guy on the outside and keep him away from everybody else. And, you know, I don't know. That's To me, that's not how you want to use – how you should use one of your higher draft picks. Yeah. But I'm hoping it. I'm hoping he gets it together. He, he looked good last night. In, in the targets that he had. Yeah, I think the biggest thing hurting him is just how good Hunter Renfro has been. Uh, I mean, Renfro has kind of been uh, the guy that he goes to. I mean, he got the most targets yesterday with nine. Waller got seven, but only caught four. Um, you know, maybe if Waller continues to fade down the stretch because he has not had a good season, Brian Edwards continues to step up and he becomes the two. But I think at this point, he's at best the three. And I think with the way he tends, with Carr dumps it off, I mean, Jacobs and Drake both got eight targets together, which was more than than what uh, Edwards got. Jacobs five, Drake three. Like I, I don't know that he's ever going to be more than the three unless they continue, they move him up over Waller on the depth chart. Well, All if right. they uh, if if they only run the ball eleven times a game, that bodes well for him too. Yeah. Yeah, that that is uh, that's for sure. Before we get out of here, let's look at our waiver wire targets really quick for Week Eleven. All rostered percentages, courtesy of Fantasy Pros. The bye weeks this week are the Denver Broncos and the Los Angeles Rams. So at QB, you've got Mac Jones at twenty one percent, Jimmy G at sixteen, and Cam Newton at fourteen point two. How are you ranking these three quarterbacks? I'm I'm going to rank them in the order they're in: Mac, Jimmy, and Cam. I. I want to believe in Cam, but I don't trust the arm. And I don't trust that he's going to get, when you've got Christian McCaffrey at your, as your running back, I don't trust that he's going to get, you know, five goal line carries a game either. So I yeah. like what Mac is doing. Jimmy, you know, if he if he could be consistent, I, I think I would put him over Mac just because he's got better weapons. But who knows when he gets injured again? When do they start putting in a package for for Lance? Uh, you know, it's Max. Mac has the job. He doesn't have yeah. to worry about PJ Walker. He doesn't have to worry about Trey Lance. Uh, it's Mac's job. Yeah, I would. Um, I would put Jimmy G over Mac because he is getting some of that rushing upside. He's got a couple rushing touchdowns as well. Um, it would be Jimmy then Mac, and again, I'm with you on Cam. Um, I, I'm, I'm okay being wrong on it. Just last time we've seen him, really the last two times, the two years we've seen him, he's not been that good of a passer. Uh, so I, I would keep him third. 
Running backs here, Ramondre Stevenson at 21%, Donta Foreman at 2.3%, Wayne Gallman at 0.8%, and Matt Breida at 0.2%. Yeah, I, I'm staying away from Breida. Yeah, I don't want anything to do with him. Uh, I like Donta Foreman as a late-season dart throw. I mean, he, he looks like he's going to be the one getting the goal line opportunities. Uh, I think that, I honestly – I don't think Adrian Peterson lasts on the team. I just think he's shot, and I think he's gonna that that Foreman is gonna show that they don't need him, um, and so I I think Peterson ends up being frustrated and not you know we've seen he's not t- he, he's not a terrific teammate when he thinks he should be playing. Um, and Ramondre, I I love him. I think I'm gonna you know Ramondre and D- D- Dante Foreman in that order for me, just because I feel like Ramondre is going to get more opportunity. Uh, he has more opportunity to get the hot hand. I feel like in, in Tennessee, they shoot themselves in the foot a little too much. When the running game is working in New England, Bill feeds it. Yeah, I, I would put Stevenson there because the one thing I think helps him, although he does have to compete with White and Taylor, um, is that even when Damian Harris and him were splitting, he was still getting some catches, and he is the bigger back. And we've seen they, they for whatever reason, don't love to use Damian Harris down in the red zone as much. So it, it would be Stevenson one for me. And then, yeah, I mean, I would put Foreman second. I'm, I'm not that big on him, but I'm, I'm with you on Adrian Peterson. He did not look good again this past week. Uh, and if they continue to use Foreman down in the goal line like they used Henry, I mean, that gives him some kind of, of upside with touchdowns. So I, I would put him second. Wide receivers, Brian Edwards at 17.1, Jamal Agnew at 8.6, Deshaun Jackson at 7.6, Traquan Smith at 2.4, DeAndre Carter at 0.7, and Marcus Johnson at 0%. Well, for me, number one is Jamal Agnew. He's getting the targets in a um oh uh Jamison Crowder style fashion and and I think that's the role he's playing there and he'll keep playing that they use him on gadget plays we saw with the 66 yard touchdown run um for me I want to I want the guy that I think is going to get the volume out of this group and that's Jamal Agnew. Traquan Smith is second because I do think he's going to get the volume uh, over Brian Edwards. I like Brian Edwards so much. I roster so many shares of Brian Edwards. It is just criminal how he gets used. I'd love to have him first, but right now he'd be three. Uh, DeAndre Carter, I feel like Deami Brown is – is is losing his way he keeps being injured and deandre carter is just coming in and making plays marcus johnson as long as julio's out i think you know him and carter are kind of a coin flip because i feel like johnson is going to get get some volume but i don't know how long it's going to last i really don't want much to do with deshaun jackson yeah, I'm kind of with you on Jackson. Uh, I would put Agnew first, too. How he's still only 8.6% rostered is beyond me. I mean, he's been producing for not just as a receiver. They've used him in the running game as well. I mean, he, he's been all over the place. Um, I would probably put Traquan 
too as well. But I'd, the biggest thing I worry about him is he's dealt with injuries a lot in his career, and I, that would worry me. And then Edwards would be three for me as well. And I'd probably put Marcus Johnson at four. I mean, might be taking a, a little bit of a leap of faith there with him, but we know Julio Jones is going to be out for at least three weeks. If he can step up and continue to produce like he did, it'll be at least a good couple week fill in for you. And last but not least, at the tight end position, you got Tyler Conklin at 34.8%, Dan Arnold at 26.1%, and Gerald Everett at 117 Uh Dan Arnold is the runaway winner of this. Uh, he's he's shown to be yeah. very consistently targeted by Trevor, uh, and he's producing. Conklin and Everett, they're two sides of the same coin. I think Conklin is sort of a low-volume touchdown guy. And that's what causes him to spike. Everett is a higher volume, no touchdown guy, but he could just as easily get three three targets for one catch, one catch in nine yards, or he can be like last week where he's got eight catches for sixty eight yards uh, and get you sixteen point PPR points. So I'm going Arnold, Everett, and Conklin. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. It's Arnold. If it's if you're we're talking Fab here, I'm I'm spending as much as I possibly can to get to get Arnold. I mean, he he's been amazing at the tight end position. Conklin and Everett, I'm fine getting either one of them. So I think they're both fair, as you mentioned, same side. They're the same side of the coin. I, I don't know that either one's going to be that much better than the other. All right, so that will do it for us today. We will be back on Wednesday, Matt and myself, to recap the Monday Night Football game and preview the Thursday Night Football game, talk rankings, and possibly even some Yellowstone, as I'm now caught up on that. So good luck to everybody tonight. If you've got players going in your Monday Night Football game, I'll I'll ask you really quick. I'm up 20. I'm going against Henderson and Kittle. I'm screwed, right? There's no chance I'm winning this matchup. You know, the last couple of weeks have been super duper screwy. You, it could happen. Uh, probably I'm hoping not. For. I'm hoping probably for screwy because <laughs> I want the win. Yeah, I'm with you. So hopefully you guys get your points or you don't or whatever. you The players don't score the points that you need them to not score to get you guys a win tonight. Uh, enjoy the game, and we will talk to you guys again on Wednesday. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can!